Well, hey, good morning again. I'm really glad that you guys are here this morning. And uh, for those of you I haven't had the chance to talk to or meet yet, my name is Eric and, and I'm the youth pastor here. And I am really... I paid them to say that, so you know. But I, I am super, super excited to be speaking this morning in the next part of our series called Revived. And this series, this series is a Lent series. And what Lent is, is it's the 40-day period in preparation for Easter where Christians all around the world observe a time of prayer, of fasting, and of spiritual discipline. And until Easter, every Wednesday night, what we're going to be having here in the auditorium is a time of open prayer. There's going to be a time of worship that you can come and you can sit and be a part of for as long as you like. It's at 7 o'clock and it goes till 8. But there's also a table in the back where there's some some really tangible prayers that you can pray and things that you can, uh, that you can enter into to God's presence with. That's going to be here every Wednesday night. And we also have Lent readings that we're going through together as a church. And we have that just on a God time piece of paper that you can get, again, back at the table or in the next step room. Over the last couple weeks of this series, we've just had some really powerful times together. As Pastor Brad started us off in this series, he talked about the importance of not writing the end of the story when it comes to relationships in our lives and, and the hope that we have of God to revive relationships. And last week, Pastor Daniel talked about when we're going through a hard time to grab a hold of God and to not let go. And I would really encourage you, if you've missed one of the last couple weeks of this series, or for more information on Lent, go to corechurch.com. I think that'd be really helpful for you. All right, well, if you've got your Bibles with you, get them out and go to the Gospel of Mark. If you don't have a Bible with you, get out your mobile device and go to your app store and download the Bible app. It's called YouVersion. I think it'll be really helpful for you. And I'm, I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. And again, I'm in Mark chapter 5. And as you're turning there, I want to give you just some, uh, just some background on this section that we're in. Jesus has been teaching to crowds of people. And he's teaching to, to one group of people by the, by the shore of a lake. And that'd just be, I mean, it's like a Thomas Kincaid painting is how I imagine it. Jesus teaching at the side of this lake. Just be a beautiful experience. And then at another point, he's with his disciples and he's with them in a boat. And they are just freaking out because of this storm that has just overwhelmed them. And Jesus wakes up and he gets out of the boat and he miraculously calms the storm. And then later on, Jesus heals this man who is demon-possessed, and the community sees what happens, and they're just overwhelmed, and, and so much so they don't know what to do with it, they actually ask Jesus to leave. And so he goes from one side of the lake to the other. And as he arrives at the other side of this lake, he begins teaching this crowd of people. And as he's teaching them, a man named Jairus comes to Jesus and tells him that his daughter is dying, and that he needs Jesus to come with him so that he can lay his hands on him and heal her. And Jesus agrees to go with him. And as he goes with them, we're going to pick up with the story in verse 35. Again, Mark chapter 5, verse 35 says this. While he was still speaking to her, messengers arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue. They told him, your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. But Jesus overheard them and said to Jairus, don't be afraid. Just have faith. So Jesus continues on with Jairus until they arrive at his home. And when they get there, there's just a lot that's going on. I mean, people are, are, are just freaking out and they're, they're weeping and they're wailing and they're just causing commotion and causing a ruckus. And Jesus responds to them by saying, hey, what's going on? The, the girl's not dead. She's just asleep. And listen to how the crowd responds to Jesus when he says that. In verse 40, the crowd laughed at him, but he made them all leave. And he took the girl's father and mother and his three disciples 
which are Peter, James, and John, takes them into the room where the girl was lying. Holding her hand, he said to her, little girl, get up. And the girl who was 12 years old immediately stood up and walked around. They were overwhelmed and they were totally amazed. Let me pray for us. God, thank you for this opportunity that we have to gather and to open your word. And I pray that as we continue to look at this story, that we'll be able to see how it plays a part in our life and just the, the relevance of that. And I pray that, that we'll be able to grab a hold of something. But I pray that you grab a hold of us first. God, I pray that everything that I say will be what you want me to say, nothing more, nothing less. We ask these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. I gotta tell you, I am blown away by the weather that we've had the last couple days. I mean, it's just been beautiful. There was a time in February where I had my children out in the backyard one night, and it was like 85 degrees in February, and they were swimming in our little blow-up pool that we have. And then I'm pretty sure it was like two days later, it was below freezing. But I tell you what, on these hot days that we've been having, nothing beats an iced cold Coke. And by Coke... Of course, I mean all carbonated beverages because we are in Oklahoma. And when somebody says, hey, let's go grab a Coke and they get a Dr. Pepper, don't be confused because Coke is just this generic label for all carbonated beverages. And for some of you, some of you are sitting there like, oh, don't talk about Coke, don't talk about Coke because you've given it up for Lent. And hey, more power to you, but you're going to be okay. All right. So don't just squirm. Everything's going to be fine. But what's your go-to? Everybody's got a go-to. Okay. For you, it might be Pepsi. It might actually be Coca-Cola. It might be Sprite. For me, my go-to soda is in this suitcase. In this suitcase, ladies and gentlemen, this is my fun suitcase. And I see some of the students, they're like, oh, it's a suitcase, that's a suitcase. I bring the suitcase with me when I go on mission trips and when I go to camp and when we go to big stuff. I've even used it on Wednesday nights on occasion. And basically what this suitcase means is when it comes out, the students know that good things are about to happen. And it is, it is very true for this morning because my favorite soda is in the suitcase. And my favorite soda is Surge. Does anybody remember this? It came out a long time ago. It came out in, in 1997. And at that time, I was in middle school. And it is citrusy. It is, del- it is delicious. And it is full of caffeine. And I got to tell you, when I was in middle school, that was the beginning of a beautiful, beautiful experience. And it still tastes good. And I've got a couple that I want to give out to you. I threw some out in the first service, and that did not work out well. So I'm just, no, I'm just kidding. I didn't do that. But I want to hand some out, just so that I'm not the only person having their life changed by a surge. Yeah, there you go. All right. Let's get one on this side. Taylor, this one's got your name on it. All right. One more. One more. You want your life changed? I promise. I promise it'll, it'll change your life. Crack those open, and let's give them a hand, because their life is about to be a whole lot better. You know what's crazy, though? I gotta be careful how much I drink. I've already had some from the first service, so I'm kind of not—I'm kind of not seeing very well. So the time in the back, I can't really see that. But you know what's crazy though? As great as it is, after a couple years, Coke was just like, "We're done. We're done making it. We're taking it off the shelves," and it was gone, never to be seen or heard of again. Until a couple years ago, 
there were these guys that had this idea, hey, let's start a Facebook group. Let's get people to join. And it was a crazy Facebook group. And by crazy, I mean everybody that joined the group, they had it in their minds, and they were expected to write Coca-Cola or to call them at least twice a week. And this group, this group had tens of thousands of people join. So can you imagine Coca-Cola, the company, tens of thousands of people, each individually emailing and calling, hey, bring back Surge, bring back Surge, bring back Surge. I mean, that's what I mean when I say a crazy Facebook group. But I gotta be honest with you, because I, I know there are a lot of groups on Facebook, and I know there are a lot of great organizations that are, that are they've got a great cause and they're doing good things. But when I saw that this Facebook group was trying to bring back Surge, I just had to be a part of that. I just knew that that is a cause that I can get behind. My heart and my soul. No, I'm just kidding. Maybe it's not that great. But honestly, I forgot that I joined the group because as far as I was concerned, they weren't, just get, they weren't getting anywhere with it until last summer. When I'm walking through the grocery store, and there it was just shining on a shelf in all its glory and splendor. And so, of course, I got one and I drank it immediately. And then I got another one to give out for a, uh, for a prize for that following Wednesday night at, at Core Youth. I'm telling you, this stuff is just amazing. And then I went back a couple weeks later, just a couple weeks later, because I was finishing up my shopping before we went on our mission trip last summer with the, with the, uh, with the students. And I heard a phrase that rocked my world. It's a phrase that we've all heard that we never want to hear, but I couldn't find it. I had to ask for help. The guy told me, hey, got some bad news. And that's the phrase, right? That's the phrase that, we, that we've heard that we don't want to hear because I'm just about to leave for camp, and I just found out they don't sell it anymore. So camp without caffeine, camp without surge. This is not what Jesus wants for our lives. <laughs> Now, for those of you that have been to camp, you know that to be true, okay? For those of you that have never been to camp or don't know what, what camp is all about, you need two things to survive a week of student camp. And the first thing that you need is caffeine. The second thing that you need is Jesus, okay? Both of those things just create this beautiful experience for you to be able to power through until we hear that phrase. And we've all heard that phrase, okay? We've all heard that phrase, and, and we hear it we hear it related to things that aren't even bad news, things that are just ridiculous, things like, hey, I've got some bad news. Durant's leaving the thunder. Okay, and for some of you, you're like, hey, that is still too soon. That is a fresh wound, but he's gone, okay? Get over it. It's a done deal. And this might be even more fresh for some of you. Hey, I got some bad news. Your March Madness bracket's already broken. You lost your group tournament, okay? Hey, mine's broken too. Okay, don't worry about that. Hey, I've got some bad news, students. You are not going to be able to make up that test or project that you missed, leaving for spring break early. Why do teachers do that? Right? Why do teachers assign a big class project or a big paper right before we leave on spring break? They know that our heads aren't in the game. But then we hear that phrase associated with things that, that are actually bad news. And we, we can tell the difference because when the news is delivered, the tone starts to change. We hear things said like, hey, I've got some bad news. We're not going to be able to, to afford the repairs of the car. We've got to sell it. Hey, I've, I've got some bad news, but we're going to have to let you go. 
hey, I've got some bad news, but we aren't able to treat your condition. There's nothing that we can do. Hey, I've got some bad news, but we lost them. They didn't make it. It's the same phrase, but when we hear it associated with things like that, I mean, it, it's got a whole new weight to it, doesn't it? When we hear that phrase, how do we react? How do you handle bad news in your life? What do you do? Where do you go? Is your initial reaction to panic? Do you reach out for help or do you bottle it up and shut down? Because there's one pivotal thing, pivotal thing that few of us ever think about and the effect that it has on our lives. But it's something that we have complete control over. And it's the one thing that we all need when we get those bad news reports in our lives. Because here's here's the truth. I wish there was a way around the bad news. But Jesus said that this side of eternity, you will have trials. And even as as a Christ follower, we're not exempt So when we get those bad news, there's one thing that we all need, and it is vital to our survival. And some of you might might see where this is going, and so maybe you're already kind of filling in the blanks. That one thing, what's that one thing? Well, it's it's, it's we we pray, we read our Bible, and we go to church. Guys in my student core group, where are you at? Yeah, those are the three things that they say every week. What do you think the answer is? Oh, we pray. We read our Bible, and we go to church which those things are great. You need to read your Bible and you need to pray every single day. When the church is open, you've got to be there. But that's not the one thing that we're talking about this morning. Because when we look back at this story, we see that Jairus was with Jesus, but he still got the bad news report. He still got the messenger saying, your daughter's dead. The one thing that we all need when we get the bad news report is we need the right people surrounding us at the right time. We need the right people surrounding us at the right time. So do you have the right people surrounding you? When we look back at this story, Jairus was surrounded by people, which makes sense because Jairus was a well-known guy. He was the leader of the local synagogue, and that was the place where people would come for times of worship, times of teaching. Then his daughter gets sick. We don't know what she gets sick with, But we know certainly that it was bad enough for Jairus to know to go to Jesus. Because Jairus knew enough about Jesus to have faith in him and to have faith in his ability to heal people. Jairus goes to Jesus, tells him what's going on. And what's amazing is is Jesus immediately goes with him. Sometimes in Scripture we see that Jesus kind of hangs back for a couple days before leaving to the next place, but he goes with Jairus. But as he's traveling with him, he gets the bad news. We see that in verse 35. While he was still speaking to her, messengers arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue. They told him, your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. So when it comes to the messenger, I'm done deal, close up shop, end of story, she's dead. And I, I can't help but wonder, what if the messenger came to Jairus and said, hey, Jairus, big guy, your, your daughter's dead, but let's get Jesus to the house quickly. Wait, what? He just kind of skimmed over the death of his daughter, but had hope to get Jesus to the house. But we'll never know, because that's not what the messenger 
said. He said, hey, forget about it. She's dead. It's over. But Jesus, on the other hand, he's got a totally different response than the messenger and the friends of Jairus. He responds to the news by saying this in verse 36. But Jesus overheard them and said to Jairus, don't be afraid. Just have faith. And I love how it says here that Jesus overheard them. Because that's just the truth of it, right? I mean, there's always gonna be those people who are naysayers. There are always gonna be those people who are the negative ones. People that say, ah, just give up, it's not worth it. Hey, just move on, just get over it. Don't put up with that. What's the big deal? Just get a divorce. I don't know why you try. Your parents are never gonna understand you. And that's fear. Just call it what it is. But let's read between the lines. Okay, and let's see who, who Jairus was surrounded by and what they were saying to him. He was surrounded by people who were all saying that it's over. He was surrounded by people of fear. But by the way that Jesus responds, it gives us a picture of the kind of people that we need in our lives. We need people who speak faith. We need people who speak hope. People who say, I, I know that this is terrible, but we're going to get through this. That's hope. Do you have people saying that over you? Or are they just saying, well, gee, this is terrible? Here's a question that I want us all to ask ourselves. Am I surrounded by people of fear or people of faith? And maybe some of you need to write that down so that later on you can really take a hard look and process that. Am I surrounded by people of fear or people of faith? Because if you're surrounded by people of fear who have no faith in God, then there is nowhere for you to go with the bad news. But if you are surrounded by people of faith and people who do believe in God, then there's hope. Because we know that there's hope of being revived, that there's hope of the resurrection. This is the answer to the question that we asked earlier. Okay, here, and here was the question. Do you have the right people surrounding you? This is the one thing. This is something we've all got to do. We have got to look at the people that we have surrounding us because we need the right people at the right time. Jairus was surrounded by people, but they weren't the right people at the right time. And we see that play out when Jesus gets to Jairus' house with him. Jesus shows up and, and people are just freaking out. I mean, they're, they're weeping and just causing a ruckus. And again, Jesus is like, hey, the, the little girl's not dead. She's just asleep. And let's, let's look back again at how the crowd responds. The crowd laughed at him, but he made them all leave. And he took the girl's father and mother and his three disciples, which that was Peter, James, and John, took them into the room where the girl was lying. What's interesting here that we learn from Jesus is that he got people out of the room. And Mark is very specific in how he records this story. He doesn't record it by saying that Jesus went out and said, hey, everybody, it's kind of a big deal what's, what's going on in the room here. If you could just keep it down just a little bit, that'd be great. Mark records it by saying that Jesus made them leave. And he only brought the girl's parents and Peter, James, and John into the room with him. 
We learn from Jesus in this story that when it comes to our lives, not everyone has to be invited into the room. Not everyone has to be invited into the room. And I promise you, Jesus cares about the crowd in this moment. I promise you that. That we know that to be true of Jesus, right? He has love and he has compassion for the crowd. But he had to make sure that he was surrounded by the right people. So who are you bringing in with you? Who's in your life when you get the bad news? And are they the right people at the right time? Jesus made some people leave. You might have to do that too. You might need to not return a phone call. You might need to not share everything with everyone. I mean, think about Facebook. Okay, think of social media in general. We have this misperception that everybody needs to know everything all the time. And they don't, okay? Not everybody, yeah. Not everybody needs to know when I get a front row parking spot at Target. As amazing as that is, and as blessed by God that I feel, I mean, not everybody needs to know. Nobody cares, honestly. Not everybody needs to know how amazing Surge is. Where are the people that got one, by the way? Have you, have you had some yet? Yeah? Is it? Yes. It's changed your life, right? So when you leave here, you don't need to tell people, oh, man, I've got to get a surge. You've got to get a surge. Let's tweet that. We got, this stuff is not going to be around forever, people, okay? And I've got to get as much of it as I can. So don't tell everybody. Not everybody needs to know that, okay? We'll just keep it in this room. Keep it in this circle, okay? I've got to get another drink. Because you never know when you're going to get your last drink of surge. You know what's great about Facebook, though? is you can unfollow people. And what that, what that kind of is, is you can still love them and you can still be their friend, but you can just kind of get them out of the room for a season. And it's not forever, right? It's not, it's not, till, you, know, it's not until you die that you're just gonna cut these people off. That's not what I mean, okay? And if you're doing it out of spite for someone, I really recommend that you talk to that person face-to-face. Remember when that was a thing, you know, face-to-face conversation? <laughs> I really recommend you do that. But you can, you can get people out of the room for a season. Because here's the truth. When bad news hits, not everybody's gonna be speaking hope and life, which is what you have got to be surrounded by when you get that bad news. Jesus brought in Peter, James, and John because he knew, he knew that they had the faith for what was about to happen. And to put it into the language that we talk about here at Core Church, these three guys, they were his core circle. He shared things with them that he didn't share with, with, the, with the other disciples. I won't read it, but there's a, there's a story later on in Mark, and it's called the, the Transfiguration. And it's just an incredible story where Jesus goes with these three disciples to the top of a mountain, and they experience the presence of God in just an incredible way. And later on in the garden when Jesus is praying and he's overwhelmed with stress because he knows he's about to be arrested, he brings these three just a little bit further and asks them to watch as he prays. Who's in your circle? About this time last year, my wife Sib and I 
we, uh, we kind of came to a crisis with our parenting. There were some, some really important decisions that we were going to have to make for ourselves and that we were going to have to make for our kids. And I, I, I got to be honest, we, uh, we didn't really know what we were going to do. And we were just kind of overwhelmed with, with feelings like we were failures, like we didn't have what it took to make it through. And I got to tell you, this is why you've got to be in a core group, because we were so encouraged and supported by our core group during that season. Our, my core group is awesome. We meet every single Wednesday night, and then we serve at core youth together. You've got to rub shoulders with people that are going to encourage you. And to then serve with them, I mean, it just maximizes your growth. We heard Paula talking about that when she was on stage. And we were so supported and encouraged. But then I met with my, with my core circle. And these are two guys that I meet with regularly on Fridays for coffee. And I began to really open up and share the, the details of kind of what was really going on and, and how I was feeling as a man, how I was feeling as a, as a father. And I was so encouraged by these guys because this is what they were doing, okay? They were, they were speaking to me, don't be afraid, have faith. But people might not say that, those exact words. If they do, that's great. But, but this is what they spoke to me, just so that it's kind of tangible, so that you kind of know what to hear and what to look for. I'm sharing what's going on. And one of the guys, he said, he said, Eric, you're a good dad. Don't let anybody else tell you different. He spoke hope into my life when I didn't believe that to be true of myself. And the other guy in my core group, he... Uh, said, Hawkeye, it's times like these that we were reminded that there's always going to be times like these. But I'm with you in this one. It's going to be okay. Hope. Faith. Do you have people saying that to you? We've got nicknames in my circle, so don't be jealous. (laughs) Just the way that the way that we roll. <laughs> when we look at Jesus' example, he only brought a few into the bedroom. Think about your home, okay? Think about your living room. That's the, that's the safe place. That's the place that's okay, All right? That place is, is fine to have people. But then, then there's the master bedroom. There, I mean, everybody, living room, yeah, great, sure. But we're not going to take everybody into the master bedroom, especially if it's dusty and the bed is just covered in laundry, but, but there are the few that, that you'd be okay with, with them seeing that. There, there's the few that you would be okay of bringing them into to that space. And it's the exact same way in our lives. You've got to have multi-level support systems. When you or someone in your family is sick, who's taking care of you? When there's a real crisis, when there's a real crisis that comes up, who's helping you? In verse 41, there's a real crisis. Jesus is holding the little girl's hand, the girl that's dead. This is a, this is a big deal. Verse, in verse 41, holding her hand, he said to her, little girl, get up. And the girl who was 12 years old immediately stood up and walked around. They were overwhelmed and totally amazed. Who is in the room? And is what they're saying to you making you rise up? Is what they're saying to you reviving your spirit? And if so, then they're the right people. And if not, then 
then they don't need to be in the room right now. And what's amazing is our words can either bring death or they can bring life, and we get to be the ones to choose which it is. Scripture says that we, we speak for Christ. It says that we are his ambassadors. And may we choose our words carefully. The Gospel of Luke, as he records this story, he records Jesus saying to the little girl, my child, get up. He's reminding her of who she is. Are people reminding you that you are a child of God? And as we sang about this morning, that nothing is impossible for him. Are the people in the, in the room with you, are they encouraging you to say things like this? I will fight for my marriage. I will try my hardest to parent my kids. I will try my hardest to parent my parents. Students, that one's for you. Okay, don't surround yourselves with those people. You need to surround yourselves with, with people that'll, that'll encourage you to say this. I will try my hardest to respect my parents because I don't know everything. That last tagline is really important. Are they encouraging you to say things like, I will get through this setback in my job. I will finish strong in school. I will overcome this addiction. Are people in the room encouraging you to think that way? And if not, we learn from Jesus that they don't need to be in the room for that season. That's one thing that we learn. Another thing that we learn from Jesus is that you don't have to share everything with everyone. When I was in college, and I went to a Christian college, I went to SNU in Bethany, Oklahoma. And uh, yeah. And our chaplain at the time, he was doing this series about forgiveness of sins. And, uh, and it was just an incredible series. But one night, he decided to have an open mic time for people to come forward and just kind of share what they needed forgiveness from. And as, as all open mic stories go, this one did not go well. <laughs> a friend of mine came forward and shared uh, just some really sensitive issues that he was struggling with. And they were real, and, and, and they were struggles to him. But our chaplain, I mean, God bless him, he could not control his face crime, as, the, as my friend was sharing. I mean, he was just shocked. And the students in the auditorium, they, they did the wave without doing the wave. Like, and, you know, somebody's usually at the front running and say, okay, you put your hands up, you put your hands up. But they just kind of go, whoa. And then they reacted like the crowd of Jairus' friends. They begin to laugh. They begin to mock him. And he had a nickname that followed him the rest of his college career. What he shared was so important, but it would have been best shared in a core circle. You don't have to share everything with everyone. And the last thing that we learn from Jesus in this story is who you bring in with you is really important. When you are experiencing a, a trial, when you go through the bad, when you get the bad news report, who are you engaging with in those times? Are you engaging with people of fear or people of faith? Are you surrounded by the weepers and the wailers like Jairus? And they're, they're not just at work, by the way. I mean, they're in the church too. Sometimes we think that, okay, once I get out of the office, I'm gonna be okay. But when, but, but when you're here on Sunday mornings, what are you sharing with people in the lobby before and after service at lunch when you're gathering around a table? How are we responding? Are we responding like Jairus' friends and laughing and mocking and, and just speaking fear? Or are we the ones that are speaking to bring people hope? Because as people of God, we have to be the ones who speak hope and life. We are the people that serve the God of the resurrection. And we have got to live like we believe that. Because the people of our schools and our communities 
and our city, they are without hope and they need someone to speak hope. They need someone to speak, hey, I know this is terrible, but don't be afraid. Have faith. And that is what is so great about our church. And you heard it from the partners this morning. People say that they find hope and that they find healing. People say that they find peace and purpose when they come here. People are being renewed. Families are being restored. Lives are being changed because you are a people of faith. And for that, we give God praise. But who are you bringing in with you? It's up to you to choose. Maybe the question that you have right now is, how do I find these people of faith? Get in a core group. I would really encourage you, if you're not in a core group, grab a Next Step card, write on there that you want to get into a core group, and we will contact you, and we will help you make that happen. Because you need to be surrounded by people who are going to speak hope and life to you. But here's the thing. You've also got to be that person as well. right? If we want those people in our lives then we have to be those people. And maybe you need to ask yourself, am I that person? Do I speak hope? Do I speak life? And I gotta tell you, you all are rocking at this. Every Sunday, I see you praying with people before service in here, out in the lobby. Some of you bring people to the altar. On Wednesday nights, our leaders are just pouring their hearts out to the students. They're speaking hope. They're speaking life. And in group, you're the ones that are, that are encouraging people as they share. You're reminding them that it's a safe place. And those of you that have a core circle, you know as well as I do that, that is, that's where it gets real. And that's where you're really encouraged. So keep doing that. People need that hope and they need that, that life spoken into them. They need that person of faith to come alongside them, just like Jesus did for Jairus in this moment. He spoke hope and he spoke faith and his words revived the life of a little girl. And may we be the people, may we be the people that speak faith instead of fear, life instead of death, and cause people to rise up and to be revived. May we be that people.